0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Fields, watches downfield. he's got a touchdown, oh, Ohio State! Just the tradition here, the history here, the, the pride, you know, here in Chicago is just unmatched. massive Fields, down the field, oh! I just love the energy already. I'm just you know, glad to be a Bear and you know, glad to be a part of this great city and great organization.
2: From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Hogue. A taller Russell Wilson or a more polished Cam Newton. Where do I sign up for that? And from The Athletic,
1: it's Kevin Fishing.
3: Look at me being the one. I'm giving the Bears too much credit. Just begin now.
2: What's up? Welcome in Hogue and John's with you. Well, at least Hogue with you. Kevin Fishbane filling in today, the Fishman for Adam Johns. Uh, how you doing, buddy?
3: It's really unfortunate that I don't have a Johns impression yet, because his, his his voice is distinct. He's got that Johnsy accent, and I just don't have it down yet. You'd think after being in the car for like a combined nine hours together, Thanksgiving, I'd, well, I'd have it.
2: I have to say, though, you did a pretty good John's impression by showing up 15, late, 15 minutes that, late to this
3: podcast. Listen, it's got to, you know, I have to, I have to do my best. So here's the other question, though. If Let's say I'm the Josh McCown of this podcast, yes. right? Like the backup who, when I come in there, I've got this. Would that make John's Jake Cutler? What Ooh. does that make you? It, right. it's,
2: Are you does, saying that while... Like, right now, no one is going to claim that you should start over John's. Like, five years down the road, there might be very mm. well-informed people in the league. You find out we're really saying the whole time that the Fishman should be starting and I that mean, John just like shouldn't be getting the lucrative long-term extension.
3: Just like he was doing in 2014 on the game. You know, Mark Carmen is screaming into the ether that... Uh, that I should be starting here. Well, all right. Here, let, let's let's play this out. So He's never going to let that
2: go against me. By the way,
3: no, of course not. So, John's is Jay. How about you, Brandon Marshall, in, oh. the, in this specific scenario? So I'm stepping in. How for nice Jay. of you I, to say. I'm still I'm still getting. Well, although Josh didn't really throw the ball to Brandon, he threw it to Alshon Jeffrey. So this whole thing is really. I need better. We need better analogies. I'm yeah. happy to. No matter what, I'm happy to be Josh McCown. More than happy.
2: I'll be Jimmy Clausen. There you go. (laughs) Uh, Welcome in. Uh, John's is feeling under the weather today. So uh, Kevin is filling in and we send our best to John's obviously and hope he's feeling all right. Of course, we have to deliver a few shots when he's not here as uh, I would expect the same missing an episode or two. Um, so Kevin's here, and there's uh, plenty to get to. We got your voicemails from the game on uh, on Sunday against the Cardinals, which was about as just apathetic as you could possibly get. I'm not talking about the voicemails. I'm just talking about the game. It's starting to get to that point with the Bears. So we're going to do our best to um, you know, keep things going here. We got to. There's five more games. We'll uh, update the quarterback situation a little bit. Got the voicemails. Matt Schneidman, uh, we usually do our opponent guest on Thursday. But uh, we're going to have Schneidman on today looking ahead to Packer week um, because I think we're going to have a special guest lined up Thursday. So just a little teaser there. Um, And so we're going to do Schneidman today, talk about the Packers a little bit, and then um, we'll wrap things up with kind of what's at stake in this game and what could potentially happen because we've seen this game before. We've seen it in similar situations before with past head coaches, and it usually doesn't go well. So, um yeah, we'll we'll talk about all that. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue at Kate Fishbane. You can still uh follow John Z too at Adam Johns. Read Kevin, read Johnsy on the Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, where you go to subscribe. Uh, and uh, you know, give us some love by, love by doing that. Get a good deal there. NBCSportsChicago.com, where you can read me. My ten bear stings are up. Got some I don't know. I think interesting nuggets. We might circle in on some of that, too, by the end of this podcast. Um, But quarterbacks, Kevin, Josh McCown, Josh McCown's playing this week. They're they're calling him back. They're bringing him back. He's going to start. Why not? Josh McCown won a game at Lambeau. He did.
3: Uh, You know, they so um, Mac Jones wearing the scuba suit yesterday last night during the uh, game last night that was that was something else
2: can we just I just I don't want to mean to go on a rant about Bill Belichick but was last night not the perfect example of how all Bill Belichick gives a damn about is winning that football game he doesn't have any agendas he's not worrying about all this whatever like his offense his defense like how it looks all that man cares about is winning the next football game. He does not give a damn what it looks like as long as he gets the W. And that's what the Patriots did last night. I loved it.
3: Do you remember Jonas Gray? Running back, Notre Dame. Yes, I do. New England Patriots. Yes. And there was a game. I want to say it was against the Colts, you know, maybe seven, eight years ago. Someone can check me on this. And. The Patriots were obviously like a pass, pass, pass team. And then they just decided, you know what, the best way to win this game is to hand it off a hundred times. And Josh Gray had like the game of his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And no, you know, he had his Brock Forcey game. And and like that that was like to, to me, I remember being like that's Bill Belichick. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't uh he doesn't care. Just gonna Although I have said this before, especially since they moved the extra point back, I love teams that go for two at the start of games. Because I think it just screws with the opposing head coach from a math perspective. You don't know what to do. It totally the idea of being down eight nothing is just perplexing for people.
2: Did I love it? Did you hear why they did that though? I did not. I I assumed at the
3: time it was because of the wind, and then their kicker was though.
2: It was though. So they decided pregame going in that direction that they were not going to kick the ball if the ball if the line of scrimmage was past the ten. Like that's where they set it. And that's what they stuck with. And obviously, with the extra point these days, kicking from the 15, where the line of scrimmage is the 15, extra point didn't qualify. So, doesn't matter. Going for two then, because in that direction, they scored, and they uh, they they went for two, and they got it. So, like, that's... I, I know all coaches do that, like, set the kicking line, but, like, it's just the amount of preparation that goes into that New England operation. It's so impressive. And...
3: So... Somewhere uh John Fox is asking someone how to if they can print out Mac Jones's next gen passing chart so he can blow it up and frame it in his home.
2: Yes. Three passes, right?
3: Yep. Or four. I think it was three. Three. Yeah.
2: I yeah. mean, I'm not saying it was pretty. I, I just appreciate what they did. That's all I'm saying. They found a way to beat the biggest threat in their division on the road in ugly conditions. I don't know with a rookie quarterback. I mean, how do you not just hand it to Bill Belichick? Sorry, I know people don't want to hear that, but that's what what it is.
3: The scuba suit, by the way, which is how this conversation began. Sorry.
2: Yes, scuba. Bring it all back to our guy Josh McCown. Scuba
3: Remember Steve. When McCown had one of the greatest games ever for Bears quarterback against the Dallas Cowboys, yeah. um, he told me this story in February. When we talked about that game that Jay bought the quarter, like got kind of heard that that was a thing you should do is get these kind of wetsuits. So Jay got wetsuits for all the quarterbacks to wear that week, and that's what Josh
2: McCown wore in that game. So wetsuit under the jersey. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, because I was giving Grody, uh, Mark Grody, sidelines for the Bears, uh tip on Sunday, which I learned from Northwestern, that when it's cold and rainy, the best thing you can do to keep your feet dry, take, go to the trainer, get an ice bag, and put your feet with your socks on in that ice bag and then tuck the ice bag into the sock So it stays like sealed. And then your feet, it's, it's, am- it's amazing. It, your, your feet stay warm and dry because the water can't get through the bag. So it, like your shoes might get wet, but your feet aren't going to get wet. Don't and your feet get cold. No, it like, it like keeps the heat in too. Like the, huh. the natural heat in your, I'm telling you, like your feet actually start sweating almost. But uh it it it's amazing. It's a little tip I learned from uh from Northwestern with that nice banner behind you if you're watching on YouTube you could see it. Just a smart institution there those days. and apparently I've heard that that's like a hunter's trick too. Okay. So, yeah. I don't know if Grody listened to me but I hope he did. He was bundled up like the Michelin man. <laughs> he was <laughs> I can't move around like that. If I have that many clothes on, I just like I just stand in place like a statue because I don't feel like I can move. I don't like it. Um, all right. Josh McCown is not starting. I hate to break it to you. Josh McCown is not starting against the Packers this week. The question is, is it Andy Dalton? Is it Justin Fields? Is it Nick Foles?
4: How's
1: everyone doing? This is Nick
2: Foles. Just entered the meeting. I have a hunch Justin's coming back, but that's a hunch, and quite frankly, I had the same hunch last week, and that didn't happen, so I don't know.
3: Yeah, I'll, I'll match your hunch with my hunch that that he is. I'm I, I'm of the view Hogue, that if if he's medically cleared, he should play. Like it's, it, to me, it's that simple. Like, and if he's, and if there's a shred of doubt. Medically, then have him sit. Like I don't, I don't know. If, yeah. I don't know if it has to be that that complicated.
2: Well, I was a little confused by what Nagy said yesterday. Was he saying that he is medically cleared? It's just a pain tolerance issue. I think he said both things. That's so why I was get, confused. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know. They there are two different things. Like medically cleared to me means he can go out there and play without doing any more damage to the injury, right? right. Yeah. You could still be in pain. And have that be the case. In fact, players play through pain all the time. So to me, those are two different things. Um, but Nagy's also saying, so Nagy essentially said, this is a pain tolerance issue. We would never put him out there if he's not medically cleared, um, which I believe. I mean, that would be silly to do, to do anything otherwise. But um, I have to say, the limited amount we saw in practice, we do not get to see a lot. Justin was moving around like last week. Like he was doing things that I would think would hurt, Um, which is why I I thought he might play last week until I saw like, okay, Dalton's taking the first team reps in practice. So kind of the same deal this week. We'll find out Wednesday who's taking the reps. Uh, Dalton's got this injury to his non-throwing hand. I don't know if that's a problem or not. Probably not a big deal. Um, Unless he needs like surgery or something, but. Uh, well, I guess we'll find that out. Otherwise, it would be Nick Foles. But I don't know. I think Justin Fields probably comes back.
3: Could you imagine, though, if it was Nick Foles?
2: You know what? I am here for the Nick Foles effort game. I, he'd, throw would,
3: it, he'd throw it 60 times.
2: At this point, why the hell not? I mean, Nagy could just call all the plays, all the passes he wants, just have Foles air it out. I mean, I would be here for that. I, I don't think the result would be any different, but it might be fun to watch.
3: If Nick Foles beats the Packers, <laughs> did the Bears win that trade? <laughs> um, Is he worth the... What was, what was no. the
2: guaranteed money he got? $27 million? Yeah, Maybe that wasn't the guaranteed. Maybe that was the
3: twenty-four. Got a lot of got a lot of million dollars to what do he start? Five games last year. That really bad. Ba- That's what it was. Injury.
2: A lot of million dollars.
3: A lot of billions. Good. Good for Nick Foles.
2: Yeah. Um, he signed a three-year, twenty-four million-dollar contract. Twenty-one million dollars of that guaranteed.
3: Maybe that's why the food in the press box is so bad.
2: Uh probably not. I actually, actually, Vic. I don't know. Is it just me or Soldier Field just giving up this year? <laughs> Whether it's the food, the turf, the headsets don't work. Like, what's going on in that stadium? They're blasting the, home the, team, a- doesn't, home the team.
3: Doesn't home team doesn't win games.
2: Well, that's normal. The air conditioning's <laughs> blasting in the middle it's you know, it's thirty degrees out, the ACs that's actually normal too. It I, was I,
3: it was really hot in the press box at the start of the game and then it got real cold. Like they were trying to freeze us out of there.
2: Yeah. It worked for John Greenberg.
3: <laughs> that's true. <laughs> well we'll we'll see what the uh we'll see what the HVAC is like in Arlington Heights in a few years.
2: Oh, I can't wait. Cannot wait. All right. Um, let's get your voicemails. Then we'll talk about some serious business. And uh, we actually have some – we do have some serious things to talk about. So uh, here are your voicemails. Bears, Cardinals, Sunday at the uh, Crumbling Soldier Field. Hello?
3: Do you know who this is? Oh,
0: you didn't know? you your ass better call
4: somebody. Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line.
0: Believe it or not, George, isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game.
4: Go Bears! In honor of the 500th episode, I'm calling in early to make a bold prediction. I think the rain destroys Kyler Murray and the Bears win an ugly victory at Soldier's Field, which in many ways might be the worst result for the franchise, as it will create another entire storm about will he or won't he be fired. (sighs) The most Bears thing possible would be a naggy win in an ugly way. Uh, Let's all prepare for it. But Hey, guys, I thought that Justin Fields was washed. I thought that he was a bust. And Andy Dalton is clearly the number one quarterback on this team. I mean, oh my gosh, third and six, interception? Oh, so good. Way to go, Bears. Let's go. Why the f*** do I watch this team week in and week out? Like, can I tune in on a Sunday and not be completely disgusted
0: with what the hell is going on? I'd rather not be a fan and just watch
4: real football. Instead of watching this disgusting shit every single week. It's the end of the first quarter. All I got to say, fire Nagy, fire pace. By far the best part of this entire game was about spending about 30 seconds watching that fan wrestle with his poncho. That's been about the best offense I've seen all year is this guy fighting through a poncho to try to get the score. And I think he got it. We never went back to him, but I'm hoping he's wearing his poncho now. Can someone explain to me why Nagy did not just go for that? On 4th and 2, in plus territory, you're down 14, not getting the ball after halftime. What's the play? And yet to see one Bears game this season without an illegal formation or some random other call, every single one is a coaching error, and it just doesn't seem to happen to every other team. We have the worst coaches in football. The ruthless, deadly efficiency of Andy Dalton. I mean, three interceptions? Can you argue with that? That's clearly QB1 material. I mean, seriously, Justin who? More like Justin Fields? No, Justin Bust. Yeah, Andy Dalton's totally the QB1 on this team. Yeah, go Bears, fire Nagy. I'm done with this clown.
1: Hey, Hogue, hey, Johns. I live in Arizona. This is one of the few games that I get to watch all year on primetime television, and I had to turn this off. This is disgusting. Every single meathead you said Dalton should be starting over, Fields should get a reality check, fire Nagy, sell the team, fire everyone. This is disgusting. God, and Hogan
4: Johns, we've it up again. All right. You know, I'm walking away from the stadium. I'm seeing soldiers. I'm seeing the Field Museum right now. Here's what in in the fricking. fire Nagy, fire Nagy. Let's go. Fire. Fire Nagy
0: right now. This dude can't coach his way out of a plastic bag. Fire Nagy. I think I spent ahead $125 set in the freezing old rain. Are they serious? Does Nagy really think that the fans don't know he's calling plays? What's with the screens on third and 11? What's with Dalton throwing four interceptions when Montgomery's having one of the best games of the, of the season? I'm beside myself. I'm I'm home alone watching this game, by myself, and I'm chanting "Fire Nagy." It's so frustrating. Whatever starts working for them, they give up on it, and then they go to something else. I I can't wait to for this team to have new coaches, new leaders, uh, players that actually can catch the ball. I mean, come on, come on, come on, Mooney. What's the deal? I know it's raining. Your season's on the line here. I mean, come on, man.
4: Hey, Hogan Johns. Josh from Indy. This whole team f-ing blows. You know, Andy Dalton sucks. The only things they should keep are Fields, Mooney, and Roquan. That's it. Bye. Hey, Hogan Johns. Yeah, Johns, you're right. This game was stupid. <clears throat> after that second interception where the receiver falls down and tips the ball for the the defensive Arizona backs and runs it all the way down to what is it, the 15-yard. I couldn't watch this game anymore. It's, it's ridiculous. It's like I'm watching the Bad News Bears. <sighs> oh, hey there, boys. It's uh, Robert Dabrowski going uh, in from Soldiers Field. Uh, just,
3: uh, just woke up from a, quite a, a nice little nap there, um,
2: I believe it's Monday morning, I kind of fell asleep uh, early on in that game there yesterday, um, I assumed the Bears won,
4: um, if they didn't then it was probably the refs fault, maybe uh, Coach Nagy's or the other team cheated or some combination of all three, anyway, uh, who cares, um, I don't know. Gonna go back to
3: bed. Somebody uh, give me a call. Wake me up. Let me know when Justin Fields is playing again. And
4: otherwise, who cares? All right, go Bears.
2: Oh, hang in there, Robert. Ugh. Kent. We need to pull that. Uh, the, the Bob saying, anyways, who cares? That that's gotta that's gotta come back. That's good. Um, you know
0: what? Why the f*** do I watch this game?
2: The pain is real right now. We get it. We get it.
3: They uh they f- they find uh they find interesting ways to lose, right?
2: It was like a Yeah, like even when you're expecting them to lose, it's I don't know. Actually, th- did anything surprise you Sunday? No. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it's just
3: like tight end drops a pass that would have set up first and goal and it's returned 70 yards and the you know fourth down touchdown deandre hopkins and the james counter one-handed catch and missed it's just like it's a you know it's the same result it's just like a different different
2: reasons and different plays and I,
3: i i get all i get the
2: sentiment of the callers it right. and, and like the one caller I was calling in, like very sarcastically saying that Andy Dalton's clearly the number one QB. You know, that's a perfect example too. like the third play of the game. What Andy Dalton's here to do is to hit a receiver in the flat, like not far in stride. Like that's right. That's the positive, right? He sees the field and can deliver an accurate throw as long as it's not over 20 yards downfield. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's supposed to be the easy thing that Andy Dalton does. And on the third play of the game, he can't hit Jakeem Grant in stride. And then it goes off his hands. And then it's an interception. And right there, the Cardinals are up 7 nothing. Like That has to be so frustrating. And then we talked to Mike Furry yesterday. And I asked him. Because if you look at the All-22, like if Grant catches that ball, that play is designed to basically let him make one-man miss. And there's a lot of open space then. Now, he may get tackled right there. Or he's shifty, he makes the guy miss, and he's off running for the races. Like, that's got to, that's just got to. there's so many things that has to be so frustrating. And, like, you def- you can defend the coaches a little bit. Like, make the throw. Cole Komet, make the catch. Like, the players have to make the plays at some point. And, of course, there's a lot of things you blame the coaches for, too. But, man, they, like like you said, they always find ways to to make the losing play. That's what they do.
3: You you and I um, both wrote about Dave Montgomery after the game because Mm -hmm. he was great in the game. He was great after the game. And I think for those of us that cover the team, it's like, I I just, you know, in all due respect to Andy Dalton, like he's not gonna be a starting quarterback of this team next year. So it just doesn't do me a whole lot of good to sit there and analyze his interceptions or try to figure out what he could do better. Like, you know, we know who he is and like what his role is on this team. So to me, what Dave Montgomery said was interesting. I, I I know you and Johnsy talked about it, but going back to the coaching part of it, Dave Montgomery touched the ball 28 times. Yeah. Like he, you know, like everyone was like, oh, if, if Matt Nagy loves Dave Montgomery so much, maybe you should give him the ball. He did. Like they gave Dave Montgomery the ball a lot. They really, really wanted to just run the ball, even when they got down 14 nothing quickly. And, and and i'll give dalton credit for this he did a great job using montgomery as an outlet in the passing game and, and I, I asked john d Philip about this yesterday that's something justin fields can learn right because someone like justin fields probably never had a check down to a running back in his high school and college days at least not very often and, and now you know there are gonna be times that he has to and he has a guy in montgomery so i think that's like again if you're looking at things to take away from the game you're happy to have a guy like David Montgomery. But again, like the the play calling, I mean, like they they did what we've kind of all wanted them to do for a couple of years, which is just kind of have a game revolve around him. And it it didn't matter.
2: I have to say, um somewhere somewhere in our history of whatever we're at, now 503 episodes, I think I already lost track. Um whenever Matt Nagy went to the or made the decision to go with weekly captains. There's an episode where I question that and raise that as a red flag. Cause that's what Mark Tressman used to do too. And it's just a philosophy. Some coaches believe in that some coaches believe in having established captains. I believe in having your leaders very clearly defined from the point the season starts. Like if you want to use training camp to figure that out, Sure. But when the season starts, you got to know who the go-to guys are. And to me, if you can't figure that out or have your players unanimously, it doesn't even have to be unanimously, but like the majority votes to the point where it's obvious who those guys should be, if you don't have that where it's not obvious, then you have a problem. You just have a problem with your roster. You have a problem with your locker room. It should not be hard. To figure out who those guys are. The only problem should be is if you have too many of them and you have to pick and choose between like five guys who are who should all be captains, right? But that's not this Bears team. And just throwing Christian Jones out there, and I don't know if we're having fun with it, the double defer, throwing Christian Jones out there as your weekly captain because he's playing the Lions, or the guys that were out there last week, Demir Bird, because he used to be a Cardinal and Angelo Blackson because he used to play for Arizona. What does that? doing. I, I I hate that. I just do. You, then you hear post game and it's very obvious as a guy is talking not only not just to his teammates, not to his coaches, but just to the media that David Montgomery is that guy. Roquan Smith is that guy. Those are your real leaders. So what are you doing here with this captain nonsense? I just hate it.
3: Speaking of things to pull from his podcast, Kent, you, let's pull that. I think that's the clip we post. That's that I agree. I'm with you, Hog. And, and you know, sometimes I say I say to people, look, if if the if the team is playing well, nobody cares who the captains are. But when you're not playing well, and as you said, you have a leadership void, apparently, like why not just give it to the guys who everybody knows the rally around? Speaking of captains though, my favorite bear's captain story. You remember the twenty seventeen captains? Like we reached like week four. And I think, like, all of them were on either IR or the bench.
2: (laughs) And those were the season-long captains, right? Season-long captains. It was
3: Mike Glennon, who got benched. Um, No. Quentin Demps got put on IR. I think he was one of them. Pernell McPhee, maybe, was uh, injured. There was some moment where Sheriff Manish was the only healthy captain. Uh, It's healthy and playing captain. Although, Mike Glennon was great at the coin toss that year, so... And like it would have been fine if Andy Dolan was a captain.
2: I do remember like, Mike Glenn yeah. going out there every week still for the coin toss.
3: It's yeah, it's it's not a good look. And um
2: But again, like you, and you could say, "Oh, well that maybe that's a reason why you don't have a season long captain." No, that's part of the problem. Those names you just named, you did not have obvious cat like that's part of what I'm trying to say here. Is it should not be hard to figure out who those guys are. Like I know this isn't college or high school football but like you have a group of seniors that you know like okay you have these guys it's the same thing in the NFL they're not seniors but you know who your veterans are you know who like you know who the 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 10 guys are that you can rely on and then you whittle that down to three or four captains if you can't figure that out you have a problem just go to this week-to-week nonsense I just do not like it
3: I do enjoy every Friday around noon getting ratioed on Twitter when I tweet out who the captains are.
2: Yeah. Well.
3: This week, uh, (laughs) Jimmy Graham, obviously, because he played for the Packers.
2: Yeah. By the way, congrats to Jimmy Graham. He's a second year year in a row. He's the Bears nominee for Walter Payton Man of the Year. Very well deserved. Um, Yeah. I I would immediately make the case that he has a, a good chance to win it. Uh, the stuff he does with veterans, the amount of work he does off the field um, with this charity. And and almost the best part of it is you don't really hear a whole lot about it. I mean, he's he's opened up a little bit more about it this year. Um, and maybe that's because he was nominated last year and didn't win. And part of it is you kind of do need the promotion. You do need people to know. Um, and part of that's on us too. So, um, you know, as we get closer I'll make that a pledge right here on this podcast. As we get closer to the Walter Payton Man of the Year award being announced, we will tell you more about what Jimmy Graham is doing and try to tell those stories because it's important. And quite frankly, he deserves it regardless of you know his contract or what's happening on the field. It's uh, amazing stuff that Jimmy Graham's doing. So congrats to him. All the nominees for all 32 teams came out this morning, and uh, that is the winner will be announced at the NFL Honors in Los Angeles at the Super Bowl. So, might find out if Devin Hester gets in the Hall of Fame that day, too.
0: Could actually be a good day for the Bears. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart,
3: the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live
0: only on Netflix.
4: When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs is the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free because when you're looking for a job, Hogan Johns fans, you want the best experience possible. No questions left to answer and sketchy websites to navigate around. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals. You can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role in a given month. Over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
2: Um, all right, let's get to uh, this week. The Green Bay Packers, you have heard of them. Go Bears. Aaron Rodgers has had a, quite a season uh, for many different reasons. And he has a, a poor little pinky toe. He does. Matt Steinman covers the pinky toe uh, for The Athletic. And uh, let's bring him into the podcast now. <laughs> All right, let's bring in our guy, Matt Schneidman, who covers the Green Bay Packers for the Athletic. You've heard him before on the podcast. Matt, what's going on? Appreciate you coming on again.
1: How are we doing? It's always a pleasure. Packers Bears week. The best part of it is always getting to come on this show. So happy to be at this time of the year again.
2: Well, uh, yeah, I was trying to think of some joke there about Packers Bears, but I couldn't come up with one. I think the point is that we all just kind of know what's going to happen this week and You just play out the week, right?
1: (laughs) I don't know. Listen, if anything, this team that I cover has been less than predictable in the past seven months or whatever. So nothing would surprise me on Sunday, sure. I expect the Packers to win and win pretty convincingly. But listen, I've seen wilder stuff, especially – in the last couple weeks when I saw a bare foot on a zoom call. So I would not be surprised by anything.
3: That, um, that was, you've, yeah, you've had quite the month there <laughs> in, uh, covering the Packers, Matt. I was thinking about this in terms of like, if anything could make the game interesting, which is, do you think like, and I understand this question might not be answerable because nobody really knows, but do you think the Packers, like that saints game, like the, that, that, Obviously, it was an anomaly, but like they don't have that in them again. Like, do you like? is there anything you sense that like they could maybe have a dud at some point the rest of the way?
1: Yeah, I was talking about this with some of the other beat writers here yesterday, actually. Like, the last two years, Packers' season has obviously ended in the same fashion in the NFC title game. Two years ago, they lost to the 49ers in Santa Clara, 37 to 8 in week 12. And then got their teeth kicked in in the NFC title game 37-20. Last year, they lost to the Buccaneers 38-10 in week six in Tampa and then lost in the NFC championship game. So the common theme of those years has been the Packers kind of have that dud against an elite team in the middle of the season where they never show up. They handle their business against everybody else. But going into that NFC title game, there's that clear gap between whoever they're playing and them, even though they were the one seed last year, the Buccaneers were clearly better. Um, I don't think they have that in them this year. I think that dud is is out the window. I don't think it would come against the Bears anyway. Um, they don't play the Buccaneers. They already beat the Cardinals this year. So I don't think they're capable of that. It, we've kind of been waiting for that, waiting for that performance of, all right, they just didn't show up, but it hasn't come. And I think that's why this year's Packers team is better equipped to to make the Super Bowl because they don't seem to have that that letdown in them.
2: Yeah, I think that maybe if that had happened against Arizona earlier in the year in that Thursday night game, but that's not what happened. The Packers went in there and won. So um, I agree with you on that. You know what I think? I think what's got to be, um, I don't know if the word's insulting, but like just really defeating for the Chicago Bears right now is when Aaron Rodgers, in your own south end zone at Soldier Field, declares to the fan base that he owns them. And I don't sense any type of like bulletin board material from that. You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't, it, I I don't know if that's like privately a thing, but like I, I don't, you would think that that would piss the bears off. And here's the other sad part. Even if it does, what are they going to do about it? Like that's sort of the, the, where this rivalry is at right now and probably why Aaron Rodgers has no regret over doing what he did at soldier field earlier this season.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. And we saw an extremely soft football team play last night uh, in the Buffalo bills. And I, I'm not, you know, accusing the bears of being this, but I think it would make the game interesting if they do kind of come out and fight back, not against that, but you know, And I want to get your guys' opinion on this in a little bit, but the head coach and GM, their jobs could very well be on the line this Sunday night. And let's see how much the Bears want to play for them and play for those guys that have, that have given them jobs and stuff like that. It's going to be tough, obviously, without Khalil Mack. Um, If there's one weakness that the Packers offense has had the last couple of years, it's when their starting tackles are out and That's why they lost to the Buccaneers last year. It's why they they've struggled at times without David Bakhtiari. I don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. I would assume he doesn't, but if they can't get pressure on, on Aaron Rodgers, and even if they can, he's proven capable of, of beating them. I mean, the Rams have probably the best defensive line in football and, and the Packers just went and put up 36 points on the Rams granted six of that came on a pick six, but, um, that's really the only way I could see the bears making this game interesting and, and showing some of that grit and some of that fight back is really getting pressure on Rodgers, But I don't see a scenario in, in, in which that really affects the Packers offense on Sunday night.
3: Hogue, maybe somebody should uh, concoct a Matt Nagy's been fired already story to uh, <laughs> this week. And that could seem to kind of rally the bears against the winless lions. So uh, the opponent,
2: uh, just the opponent's a little different.
3: Yeah. Just they almost yeah. lost that game too. But right. They needed uh,
2: to walk off field goal to beat the Lions.
3: Yeah. Uh alas. Uh Matt, uh, you had a great feature uh a week or two ago on Devontae Adams that folks should go check out. And I assume that we'll see Jalen Johnson shadowing him again. Uh it didn't work so well on like two big plays. Everything else seemed to be okay. I'm just curious with what you know about Devontae Adams. How does he how does he view, you think, a matchup like that? And Rodgers, too, because Jalen Johnson's become a good corner, but he's also in his second year. Is that one when, when they see a guy shadowing him like that, is that one where like we know that we're better and we're just gonna keep we're gonna keep targeting, or is Roger gonna say, you know what, go ahead and shadow him and, and we'll pick our spots and I'll just attack all the other weak corners on this team?
1: Yeah, it's interesting because Devontae Adams is by far and away the best player to uh, interview, work with reporters. He's runaway winner for our, whatever it's called, the media good guy of the year award. But the one thing he pushes back on when we ask him is about specific players who guard him. And for years, and this is only my third year covering the team, but, and I've learned this so far is Devonte does not study specific players. He doesn't care if Jalen Ramsey's guarding him. He doesn't care if Jalen Johnson's guarding him. He just studies film and prepares for the scheme as a whole. So if you ask him, I remember I asked him last year when they were playing the Colts, you know, do you draw on some of your reps against Xavier Rhodes when he was on the Vikings going into this matchup? And he was like, I honestly don't care who's who's guarding me. I prepare for the scheme. Doesn't matter about the player. So I don't think that matters to him if Jalen Johnson shadows him. Aaron Rodgers knows that because Aaron Rodgers loves picking on, on young cornerbacks. Jalen Johnson, you know, could be a future star in this league. We saw what he did to Devontae in week six, I think it was, and that's about as good as you're going to get. Four catches for, I believe it was 98 yards and no touchdowns. Um, If you get Devontae Adams to have only four catches in a game, that's pretty darn good. And, And they still haven't found that consistent number two threat. You know, There's a little bit of MVS here and there, a little bit of Alan Lazard. A.J. Dillon's become more of a an option in the passing game. Aaron Jones, obviously, with his knee a lot healthier. But I think Jalen Johnson can do a good job. And, and obviously, as we saw in that first matchup, there's going to be a lot of safety help over the top. So the Bears, probably better than anyone, have figured out how to limit Devontae Adams as much as another team possibly can. And I guarantee you, looking back on that matchup, he and Aaron Rodgers are going to have some ways they devise to get him more open. All right, let's talk about the Packers
2: quarterback situation uh, this week. I am uh, shocked, just shocked that Aaron Rodgers has managed to make a, uh, a broken pinky toe uh, into the drama. It has become with the attention that has come with it. Um, And thank you for putting that toe in my uh, Twitter timeline, the way he did. Um, of course, he'll probably blame the media for that, not him, since even though he's the one who stuck his foot up uh, in front of the microphone. So he's going to play Sunday. There's no question about that. What What does that mean, though, if he's limited at all in practice? What do you expect? Because now Jordan Love is on the COVID list. They got Kurt Benkert, right, uh, mm-hmm. the practice squad quarterback. I would think that they're probably going to sign Blake Bortles again if – to be the backup, but like, what does this mean for how the hell the Bears are going to, ru- or the uh, Packers are going to run their practice this week, preparing for the Bears?
1: Yeah, they're, they're kind of familiar with this. Aaron Rodgers hasn't gotten a full work of practice and practice of work. And I should say since week seven against Washington, because the next week they had the Thursday night game. So it was all walkthroughs. The next week was week nine. He tested positive for COVID. Then Coming off of that, he had his toe, and he hasn't really practiced. I think he had one one or two walkthroughs in there. So they're kind of used to this. Um, It hasn't really affected him because the two games he's really played on the toe were against the Vikings when they put up 31 points, and then last week against the Rams when uh, the offense put up 29 minus the pick six. Um, So it hasn't really affected him. Every time we ask anyone about it, whether it be offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, Luke Getzey, the quarterback coach, LaFleur, Rodgers, they say if anyone can work through a game plan during the week without practice and execute it, it's Aaron Rodgers. So there doesn't seem to be much worry. I am fascinated to see how they do handle those practice reps because there are still receivers and running backs who need to get their reps in. As you mentioned, Jordan Love tested positive for COVID yesterday, ended up on that list. Kurt Benkert, who recently tested positive for COVID, just like Aaron Rodgers, um, may be the only quarterback practicing this week. And the reason Aaron Rodgers and Kurt Benkert can't be deemed high-risk close contacts, I don't know if they had meetings yesterday, quarterback meetings, um, because they're coming off the bye week. So if they were close together, they can't be deemed high-risk close contacts because both Benkert and Rodgers are still in that 90-day grace period where they don't have to test for COVID after they tested positive. So they're both good to go. I do expect Blake Bortles to get another call off the golf course this week, just to handle some practice reps and possibly be that number two guy on Sunday, like he was against the chiefs a couple weeks ago, but it'll be interesting. It, it can Devonte Adams get his regular week of work in and, and be prepared for Sunday's game with Kurt Benkert, throwing him the ball. I think so. I, I don't think it should be too much of a problem. Kurt Benkert throws a really nice ball. Um, a better one than Jordan Love, to be honest with you. So I don't think it should affect too much, um, just like it didn't against the Rams last week when they were in a similar situation.
3: I think we have our headline for the podcast: Kurt Banker throws <laughs> a better ball than Jordan Love. Oh,
1: I've tweeted that many times during <laughs> the off season. I like hey, it. Hey, that uh, that's an ongoing storyline here
2: on the Hogan Johns <laughs> <laughs> podcast. So I, I I think our listeners will love to hear that about Jordan Love. Go ahead, Kev.
3: Hey Matt, um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Adrian Amos, and I know we've asked you about him over the past couple of years since that you know he moved to the Packers, but it just seems like he's just continued to be a steady player, which is what he was in Chicago. I'm curious, and he also it seems like he's becoming Green Bay somebody who has talked to the media a lot. Um, something he didn't, he was a little quieter here when he was, you know, in, in his younger days. And, uh, well, I'm just curious your, your impressions of him all the, on and off the field and kind of what he's, he's meant to that team since that big signing.
1: Yeah. Like you said, and, and you guys know this better than anyone. He's just a guy who doesn't make big mistakes. He might not always make the flashy play, but he will rarely screw up big time. And, and that's what he's been again this year. He's stout against the run. He's really good in pass coverage. And the more interesting part, maybe from from our perspective as reporters, is like you said, he's kind of the spokesman for the defense. Whenever they need just a defensive player to talk about the general state of the defense, or they need a defensive player to go out there after a bad loss, like after they lost to the Saints 38-3, he was there You know, last year on Zoom. He talked like those one days a week for Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, like the star players get that set one day a week treatment where, you know, they're going to talk. Adrian Amos talked every Thursday last week. Like he was that guy. And this year he's actually become a lot better, a lot more insightful open at the podium. Um, Granted nothing's ever the same as locker room, but he's been a great quote this year. And last year over zoom, it was, eh, it was kind of more just the surface level stuff, but I always respect a guy who makes himself available, especially after losses this year, it's been that plus a little more insight into him in the defense. And obviously, it helps when Packers have a top five defense in the league. And he's obviously a big part of that.
2: All right, Matt, I'd ask you to make a prediction. But I'm gonna, instead, I'm going to ask you how many points the Packers win
1: by. I'm going to go 13. <clears throat> the spread, I believe, is 13. So I'm not going to tell you to pick one side or the other. <laughs> because I don't want to be on the hook for anyone losing their rent money this month. Um, Come on, have a take. (laughs) All right, Packers win by (laughs) 17. I'll say they cover 13 and a half. Listen, we'll know a lot about what's at stake in this matchup going into it, because if the Vikings lose to the Steelers on Thursday night, the Packers clinch the NFC North with a win on Sunday night. And if that happens, I think they'll go balls to the wall to try and clinch this division with four games to go. Obviously they still would have a lot to play after that in terms of number one seed, but the North is, is the first thing that matters to them. And I think they, they put their foot on the gas, all gas, no break as Matt LaFleur loves to say, and win this one. I'll go, let's see. 31, 14. In That situation, I'll go 31 14.
2: That's an interesting point, too, about the uh, North potentially being able to be clinched in the game. Um, because the Bears did that against the Packers a few years ago, and I have to imagine that uh, Aaron Rodgers has probably not forgotten that.
1: No, so, and then the Packers did it against the Bears last year, I believe. They did it against the Vikings two years ago, then against the Bears at Lambeau last year, I believe. Was it that game where? Was it Jesper Horstead who the that was lateral, two years ago? That was two years ago. Okay, I, yeah, I, I know I'm, what you're talking I'm about. All my games yeah. mixed up. The lateral at the very end of the game, I forget, but I think it was against the Bears last year, if I'm not mistaken. I forget. It's it all it's be. all it crumpled together for me. Yeah.
2: Um, anyway, Matt, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much, and uh, we'll see you Sunday in Green Bay.
1: Appreciate you guys as always. See you soon.
2: Okay, Kevin. So you heard what could possibly be at stake for the Packers this week uh, with potentially winning the NFC North against the Bears. I, you know, I, I led my 10 Bears things up. You you, you know this. You covered Mark Tressman, You covered John Fox. Am I putting too much stock in what those final losses to the Packers meant? Um, Because the way I always viewed those was... Those two games in particular were like the games that sealed their fate. So in 2014, it was that infamous 55 to 14 loss where the Bears were down 42 to nothing at halftime. Um, And I put it in my story, which I don't have in front of me, but the Packers scored four second quarter touchdowns, like 73 yards, 54 yards 30-something yards and then like 18 yards. Like It was just an embarrassment. And that was when Mark Trestman infamously told his players at halftime that they weren't a good football team. No kidding. Um, but talk about rah-rah halftime speeches. There you go. So that was bad. And I always had the vision. I remember looking down from the press box at the Bears' sideline and Mark's standing there like a midfield and nobody is within 15 yards of him. Like, everybody was like, not not part of this. You know, like, it was just a weird image. And I think at that point, we knew what was going to happen at the end of the season. Uh, even though that was more like early November, early to mid-November. This game's a little bit later. Then in 2017, you had the John Fox game, where he infamously challenged the uh, play at the goal line with Benny Cunningham thinking he reached for the pylon and touched the pylon with the football, when in reality, Benny Cunningham lost the ball before he hit the pylon, which is a touchback and a turnover, giving the ball to the Packers. So John Fox essentially challenged a play that resulted in the other team getting the football amazing, just amazing stuff. And that was, I remember writing after that game that, again, that kind of sealed John Fox's fate. So the question is... Kevin Fishbane, is there a scenario that plays out Sunday in Green Bay where uh, the McCaskey family says we've had enough and for the first time ever, they make some in-season changes by Monday?
3: You know, I always think back to the Mark Traskman game because like, if they didn't do it then, what could possibly happen to do it in any other scenario? I mean, that was just right there. Like they did something that week that you had to go back to I think like the nineteen twenty two Bears, some of like, you know giving up fifty points in back to back games. They had a bye after they got just demolished by the Patriots. Like they came off a bye entering that game in Green Bay. Like there was just no excuse for that. This one I don't know. I, I think that the the biggest difference you would think, and who knows what's going on in that building and how things have changed in the past few weeks. You think there's less animosity between ownership and the guys who are running the team? I think that's like there's always just been this feeling of mutual respect. Um, but look, if. But do you if think that respect
2: is still there after what happened two weeks ago? Because at a yeah, bare minimum, the organization hung Matt Nagy out to dry.
3: Yeah, I guess, you know. <laughs> maybe Matt Nagy might not have as, as much respect for his bosses, but I, I don't know. I think you'd have to see them lose in an embarrassing fashion. But what you really would be looking for is, is there a sense that the players just are not playing hard? Cause you know, and I, I hate to talk about effort. I hate it because it's so hard for us to tell. I and mean, these guys are, are taking part in a car crash every week for their, You know, this is their job. You watch that Cardinals game. You could tell how much they were, you know, they were fighting that game. You take out the
2: four turnovers, the Bears are in the game. Like,
3: I mean, I, I know fans can't stand Eddie Jackson, but the way he was flying to try to prevent the touchdown near the end of the game. And you could see how much he wanted to win that game um i i don't th- and, and the offense the way they were celebrating just to to get the game within 10 like i don't think that they're at the point that they were in 2014 you know 2017 was weird because that was just such a like everybody knew and there were yeah. so many young players in that team it's just you know this is an interesting mix because you got the veterans you also have so many stars who are out like this team that they're trying out there is just you know, you know, Khalil Mack, no Al Robinson, no Akeem Hicks. This is my long way of saying. I always say that, I and mean, we all know anything can happen, and we all know this rivalry means everything to the McCaskies, and to get embarrassed on national TV, and you do have an extra day, hanging into the following week.
2: Yeah, before the Monday Nighter.
3: Yeah, you have you have an opportunity if you want to do it, and you want to get you know. But I, I'll I'll say this because I almost I almost said you can get your head start, but. I've said this in the past kind of two months. They don't need to fire Matt Nagy in season to get a head start in the coaching search. Like if George McCaskey's doing his job, he already has a rolodex of names. He has already talked to people in the league and is doing his due diligence and doing his research. So figure out what his plan is. He doesn't need to fire Matt Nagy to do that. He can do official interviews and that that stands for something. He can do those interviews now in season. But Getting, being the first one to hire a head coach doesn't necessarily mean you hired the best head coach either.
2: No, it doesn't, but I think that... Um, I think there's a couple things there. One is still, though, there's still a level of respect. So you just brought that up, the respect. Well, if you respect the guy, then don't go behind his back interviewing, well, not formal interviews, but you know poking around about his replacement while he's still the head coach. Like That's not respectful. So... It, And it also doesn't sound like how the McCaskies would do business, too. So, well, maybe they will. I mean, because I'm with you on that. Like, that's how a real NFL organization uh, would operate. It's cutthroat. It's how freaking college football works now. Look at what's going on in Miami. It was ridiculous. You know, and and I'm not condoning that at all. I think that it's not great, but... um, and and then you brought up 2014 and I agree with you. Like, man, if you didn't fire Mark Trestman with not only like that, those back-to-back losses to the Patriots and the Packers were just the start. Look at everything that unfolded from there. And he survived all of that to the last day. Now, was that part of, was that partly because Phil Emery wasn't going to fire the guy? Maybe, but then maybe you should have let them both go. And, I think it's a fair question right now. Like, is Ryan Pace going to fire Matt Nagy? Probably not. But, shouldn't an organization learn from 2014? Like, I don't necessarily think all that drama is going to play out again. But, I understand the, oh, if they didn't do it then, why would they do it now? Well, man, I would hope I learned from how the rest of that season unfolded and all the nonsense. Jimmy Clausen starting a football game over Jay Cutler for no reason. Like, think about all that. So I I just I, I I don't know is the answer to the question. Like I don't know what's going to happen Sunday. Well, I kind of know what's going to happen Sunday night. I don't know what's going to how it's going to affect what happens Monday. Um but I do think it's worth bringing up in the context of the past two head coaches and their final loss to the Green Bay Packers.
3: And you know, it's interesting too cuz you just try to do you just tried to use logic when talking about the Bears front office. Sorry, which it just it, it, you you hit it on the head. Like it, this is what they did in 2014. We all saw what happened. So, like, why wouldn't you change things up? I think what's 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 interesting is this entire conversation we're having. We're having this because we know how likely it is that they get embarrassed on national television, right? Like we wouldn't be.
2: They don't just lose, but it looks bad. It looks bad,
3: and 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 we we saw what happened in non primetime games this year in Tampa, in Cleveland. Okay, then you go to the opener in L. A. You go back to the Packers primetime game last year, and what that happened in the first half there. Like the problem is the only reason we're having we can have this discussion of could this be it, is because. This team has had games like this against the Packers, against other teams on primetime TV, which goes to the reason that, like, that's the reason we have to have this conversation because we know, unfortunately, what this team is capable of in that regard. And, and, and you know who's on the other side. But I will posit this to you, Mr. Hoke. And I got oh, laughed no. at on the score for bringing this up. But well, I,
2: uh, I, yeah, I heard it. Yeah. You Dan, Ber- Dan Bernstein he wasn't hearing any of this. No, I just think, again, I like no. to see I like I think
3: it's funny no. to think about the pretzel no. that would be formed in the mind of a George McCaskey if Justin <laughs> Fields goes out there, Lambeau Field throws for three hundred yards, four no. touchdowns, no. the Bears pull a twenty fifteen Thanksgiving on Aaron Rodgers, they win in Green Bay, then what?
0: Uh probably not. Isn't uh, it
3: fun to consider
2: the scenario, though? The only thing that was fun considering there was the pretzel living in George McCaskey's brain.
3: <laughs> I just, I think it is. It, it, and the, here's the problem. I'll go back to what I said earlier. You can't even conceive of what I just described. They've given you no reason to think that is possible at all. So it's worth laughing at. But I also think it's... I think
0: we haven't won enough under the leadership of George McCaskey, and that's what we're working on.
3: Mm -hmm. Curious to see uh, how they're going to
2: try to fix that. So if... One one more thing, actually, before we get to George and Ted. Um, Just, like, logistically... Shouldn't the most important thing about Matt, what Matt, like firing this guy right now or not firing him? Shouldn't it all be about like the interview process and who you're bringing in? Like going back to the idea of like doing your homework behind the scenes. Why not get first in line? And, I, and you're right, it doesn't guarantee you anything. But like, for example, I I think even though he got fired the other day. I would imagine Joe Brady's going to get some head coaching interviews because he got a bunch last year. And I don't necessarily know what's going on right now in Carolina. It doesn't sound great. Was there an issue with Cam Newton? What's going on with the, that owner? I, I don't know. But if Joe Brady's going to get some head coaching interviews, why not knock that out now? He's He's unemployed. You know what I mean? I like think, you can get ahead yeah. of the game. And maybe that just involves eliminating him. Maybe you interview him. You don't like it. Fine. What about, um? you know, the guy I've been talking about, Ryan Day? Maybe Ryan Day has no interest in coming to the Bears. I wouldn't blame him one bit. But his team's not playing in the college football playoff. Playing in the Rose Bowl. He's got some time on his hands right now. Why not get ahead of that? He's a college head coach. You can interview him.
3: I think I'm so ingrained in the fact that they're not going to fire him in season that I've convinced myself of these reasons why it doesn't necessarily benefit them to do that. So I'm I'm looking at that other side because you're right. And if it's week 16, week 7, or you can start these interviews in week 17, you Mm want to get on the phone with a Josh McDaniels before he's got a playoff game and he can't talk to you. Right, you want to get on the phone with with some of these guys if you can and get get that going. Um you know, I don't know how this factors in. There's not going to be as many teams, you know, think going for head coaches this year. I just remember, you know, when the Bears the when the Bears hired Matt Nagy at the time, you know, the timing was so interesting, right? Cuz if they if the Chiefs win that game, Matt Nagy's probably not the Bears head coach. Yeah right well and if, if
2: and if John Fox doesn't lose in 2015 playoffs then he's probably not the Bears head coach
3: if the Bears beat the Eagles Vic Fangio's not the Broncos head coach so like all these things like it's just a strange thing and, and if you get started before the season ends maybe you can kind of eliminate some of that on the flip side and I understand that Kyle Shanahan is not the Kyle Shanahan he was a couple of years ago but it it, it kind of worked out okay for the 49ers to have to wait
2: but and they still interviewed of, them when they could. Right. But you know, uh, it, and and, and it, I think part of this new rules rule is to get these guys the interviews out of the way before the playoffs starts so and concentrate on the playoffs and not have the distraction of having to deal with a job interview in the middle of preparing for a playoff game. Am I wrong? I mean, I'm thinking that's why they're doing this. Oh,
3: no, for sure. I just like yeah. I'm trying to think of how yes, th- th- there's all these benefits to it. I just think, you know, the Colts hiring Frank Reich when they did you know, like like you can still, you don't have to be first. You, you just have to find the right guy. But as you said, the right guy, you might need to interview him in December if you have that opportunity to do so.
2: Well, and you are already competing with the Raiders. Like the Raiders have an interim head coach right right now, and you think they're sitting on their hands, waiting waiting for January? I, I doubt it. I think they're they're probably doing doing their work. I mean, they, the last coach, they gave $100 million over 10 years. Turned out to be stupid. Higher, but they got aggressive. So, and I, that's the one concern I have about this whole deal, too. You see this money getting thrown around in college right now? Like, how much you going to have to pay? So, I don't know. All right. Um, last point on this. Since all the talk's about Matt Nagy, If Matt Nagy's record against the Packers, which is one in six, matters so much, and it mattered for John Fox, and it mattered for Mark Tressman, and it mattered for Lovey Smith when he stopped beating the Packers for a while, there he went. He went through a stretch where he was seven and three against Green Bay. That's the only good stretch the Bears have had in the last three decades against this team. But once he started losing to them, part of the reason why he was out after going ten and six in twenty twelve. Well, then shouldn't these records matter too? George McCaskey, 3-18. That's the Bears' record since George McCaskey took over as chairman. Ted Phillips, 13-33. That's the Bears' record against the Packers since Ted Phillips took over as team president in 1999. Like, At what point is this organization going to realize that it is not just the head coach, it is not just the GM, The Packers are not just a better organization than the Bears because they've had great quarterback luck. It has to do with the people that were hired in those positions to create that quarterback luck and put them in this position to be a good team over the last three decades and continually beat the Bears. So, to quote my guy, Mark Silverman, it starts at the top, right? It does. And
3: you know listen the person who's in charge of hiring the gm the gm picks the quarterback the gm picks the head coach the head coach coaches the quarterback and this is where the bears are at and every decision everything that has led to the bears to this moment can be always pointed back to the two people who made those decisions so yeah like to me it is what's going to change what is if we're going to be approaching a head coaching search, a GM search, what have you, how is it going to be different? And I'm very curious. I don't have high expectations, but I'm very curious to see, uh, and maybe they won't tell us. I don't know. But they, they're, they, well, while maybe it would be disrespectful to start digging on potential future head coaches, there's no reason that the chairman... Should not be forming a plan as to how to attack this and how to make sure that they get this right the next time. And you know what, Hoag? They might not. Like, they might, the next head coach and GM could not work too. Like, it, 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 it can be a crapshoot, but you have to figure out the process at which they're going about this isn't working and it hasn't worked. So they have to change the process and what they do.
2: Well, speaking of processes, um, last final point I want to bring up. Did you Did you see my Brashad uh, Perriman nugget in the uh, in my 10 Bears thing by any chance? I did not. That's okay. So I couldn't help but notice Sunday. You know, Brashad Perriman is now on the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He was inactive for the Bears. They claimed him off waivers, which bumped Ra- Rodney Adams to the practice squad right at the beginning of the season. He was inactive for eight games. Okay. Bears did not, in their defense, did not have a lot of wide receiver injuries in the first eight games. Um, But they made it also very clear, and Mike Furry said the same thing yesterday, that part of it was Brashad Perriman getting the playbook down, right? Okay. So they released Brashad Perriman on November 7th, the day before the Steelers game which was when David Montgomery came off of IR. That was the move that was made to get David Montgomery back. The next day, and this is just the Bears' luck this season and how the season has gone, Allen Robinson hurts his hamstring <laughs> and misses three straight games after that. Of course, Perriman, if you just look at him as a wide receiver, he seemed like he was an in insurance policy, specifically if Allen Robinson got hurt, like for that position with that build that he has. And um, Okay, so that just bad timing. But after being inactive for eight straight games, Perriman was dressed in uniform for the Buccaneers seven days later. And I couldn't help but notice Sunday, he played 84% of the offensive snaps for the Bucks As their very obvious wide receiver three behind Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Now, Let me be very clear, and this is getting some confusion on Twitter because of people who don't actually click on the link and read what I wrote to just react to the tweet. This is not at all an argument that Brashad Perriman is a good wide receiver, nor is it an argument that he should still be on the Bears. But doesn't it at least make you question how a guy apparently struggled to learn the Bears system but could be in uniform for the Super Bowl champion seven days later, and a couple weeks after that playing 84% of of the snaps. Doesn't seem to be a problem in Tampa. And again, I understand he's not actually playing that well. He had one catch on three targets for five yards. This is not an argument that Prashad Perriman's any good, but you don't think Tom Brady has some say over which of his wide receivers are active on game day. Like there must be something to him being able to play 84% of the snaps. And I think he dropped a touchdown last week against the Giants too, or two weeks ago, whatever. Didn't it, I don't. Didn't it at least like raise a red flag to you or make you question that at all?
3: Since 2018, the Bears have successfully developed one wide receiver,
2: Darnell Mooney. Yes,
3: they have a good one, Al Robinson. But mm-hmm. I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know how much credit I give them for. He was his already play. good when he got here. He was already good when he got here. And and his production was great in 2019 and 2020. And when he was healthy in 2018.
2: And you got to wonder why it hasn't been this year. Yeah. Before he got but hurt. The,
3: but the Bears have one guy. And, 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 and Mooney's a great story. And I think he's going to be a good receiver in this league for a long time. But Taylor Gabriel didn't work out. Anthony Miller didn't work out. Javon Wims didn't work out. They couldn't figure out anything with Kevin White. Again, not. Not their fault necessarily. There, Daz Newsom's on the practice squad. Riley Ridley did not work out. After they were so excited, they thought that was the, the steal of the draft. Couldn't get anything out of him. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a staff that just. Hasn't uh, hasn't been able to figure out that position. And it's and kind I, of
2: an important position. And I guess part of it, too, is like, okay, so one is the playbook issue, I guess. is like, how can a guy not understand the Bears playbook, but then go to Tampa and be able to play right away? Whether he's playing well or not. Like, again, that's not the point. But part of it, too, is like, didn't, wouldn't you be sitting there being like, well, maybe we should have activated him one week to see what he could do? But no, also, you had Demir Bird and you had Marquise Goodwin. You got to have them out there every week. Like I, I, And I don't necessarily think Perriman's that good, but you must have thought he was good if you claimed him off of waivers. I just don't understand, I guess, the logic.
3: I, and you know what? I don't like the playbook argument either. Figure it out. Yeah. Figure out a way to make this guy work in your system.
1: Don't the Bucks are doing them- it.
3: Yeah, don't make like and and I listen like the way we've seen Anthony Miller bounce around this year, I think tells you about the challenges other teams have had to harness his skill set. So this isn't maybe fully on the Bears, but that was always what they would bring up. The playbook, you know what you got when you drafted him. He was somebody that dominated one-on-one coverage and did whatever he wanted to corners who covered him in college. So find a way to make that fit in your offense. You claim Brashad Perriman, you saw what he did in his career if he can't understand or if he can't grasp what you want from him to do then do something different do something different with him so that he can figure it out I, I, the, the playbook stuff, it's just like the, the best coaches take a talented guy and, and, and adapt to what he does best, they don't make them adapt to your playbook and I think that's just what like, Darnell Mooney has transcended that obviously and good for him. He's, you know, he's been a phenomenal player, and and has everything they wanted there. But the fact they couldn't get anybody else to do anything at that position besides Darnell Mooney and Al Robinson in four seasons just tells you a lot about the, the, how, you know, frankly, how broken this offense has been. Yeah. So anyway.
2: By I, the I, way, I they used s-
3: that playbook argument with Cole Komet last year too.
2: It, it's just another thing that I think ownership, whoever's evaluating this whole thing, they, they need to be asking questions like that. Even if there's a valid reason for it, like, okay, then at least the questions need to be asked. These things need to be brought up. And it's in in a much larger sense the Cordero Patterson thing in Atlanta right now. Like this is peanuts compared to that. It's just another one, another example. All right, we got to get out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at KFishbane for Kevin. Read him on The Athletic. Read me on NBCSportsChicago.com. Check us out on YouTube. Check out the merch on AviShirts.com. We appreciate you guys. Thanks to our producer, Kent Garrison. We will be back Thursday... To break things down and make our predictions for the bears packer game. And uh, also, we'll have a special guest on for Thursday as well. We'll talk to you then. See ya. Go Bears.